welcome to the Arrow Video Podcast with Sam and Dan. My name is Dan Martin, special effects artist and podcaster, and I'm joined, as ever, by my lovely co-host. Sam Ashurst, and I'm a writer, I'm a director, and I'm very excited to be talking about our second, and definitely not our last, Shaw Brothers movie, Dirty Hua, which is Dan's choice for this fortnight. Now, you may notice my pronunciation of the title there. Dan, how do you pronounce the title of this film? Well, I must say, in normal conversation, I would just say Dirty Ho, but I had decided to make a conscientious effort to say Hu because that is the proper pronunciation. It's it's a Chinese name, but also it's just spelt H-O in its anglicisation. And so I grew up no, it's it's a it's a kung fu movie I saw relatively early mm-hmm. in my in my sort of cinema watching career, and I certainly knew it as Dirty Ho for the longest time. That's right. Again, a potentially um, politically incorrect title, but not at all in this case. Yeah, just the guy's name. Just the guy's <laughs> name, and yeah, he's he's on a journey. He's on a journey from uh, being dirty uh, metaphorically to being clean metaphorically, somewhat. Somewhat, somewhat, yeah, exactly. Lightly cleaned, grimy. (laughs) Well, the ending of this, which we can't talk about. But oh my goodness. (laughs) This is, what I will say, Mm. and I know that we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit here. Just a bit. I would say that this film perfectly exemplifies the, that's it, we're fucking done, go home. (laughs) (laughs) attitude that i love from the shaw brothers yeah that's something that we didn't actually mention last time but yeah it's another really kind of cool element which is they don't fuck about they get to the end of the story freeze frame the end fuck off yeah bye-bye guys fuck off now yeah like this is another thing that like last time i talked at length about how like i i felt that it was aligned with the old hollywood the studio system Mm -hmm. i like that those old movies the old hollywood movies would have all the credits at the front yeah and then you'd watch the movie and then it'd be like the end fuck off yeah magnificent yeah yeah this is a really special film i'm very glad that you chose it beautifully shot for a start uh, with a kind of painter's eye for composition pretty much straight away there's some lovely wides in this film why did you choose it down other than you know it's one of the earlier shores that you saw like what are the special qualities of this film that make it stand out for you i think it's one of the best comedies they've done yeah it's it's not just a comedy it's still a martial arts film and oh boy is it a martial arts film like i'd say it's like top 10 choreography as well oh for sure the only thing that's that's missing from it like to make it absolute like world beating and i you know and i'm not saying that there are films that hit all of these categories because it hits comedy it hits like agility the only thing it's like lightly lacking in is what the fuckery and yeah. it's even got a little bit of that got a susan of what the fuckery mm, the what the fuckery for me comes in like those sequences where there's fighting without fighting oh my goodness i love fighting without fighting yeah sam scarlet uh, crimson the loot player mm-hmm. oh my goodness she's the yeah, best i mean she's the best bodyguard around she's the best bodyguard around exactly i mean <laughs> i almost i almost recommended spoiler alert i almost recommended demon of the loot just on the basis oh. of the fact that there's a loot in this the film loot. <laughs> the loot. <laughs> and i wanted to highlight that sequence but um 
Yeah, I think we just, they don't you know necessarily we go well sequence. together other than the fact that they're both Shaw Brothers movies. But, um, you know, Demon of Loot is one of their kind of high fantasy films um, that, that everyone should check out if they're into that kind of thing. But anyway, back to Dirty Hua. Before we get too far away from the pronunciation of the name, yeah. I want to tell you a little anecdote. Oh, please. So there is a 35mm print of this film floating around in the States. Now, there aren't a lot of 35mm prints of Shaw Brothers movies. Mona Fong, second wife of Run Run, like ex-celebrity singer starlet and like very very important producer in the shaw brothers uh like oeuvre produced over 200 movies for them she went on to run the tv channel that the shaws also had like very very important name she like tr- when they were starting to shut down their theaters in the states it, and i say the states this includes canada like north america um she did like a tour burning film prints mm. that was referred to as the mona fong destruction tour wow it's worth noting that mona fong produced dirty Her. yeah Mona um, Fong is is one of the, the all-time great producers. Oh, yeah, she's incredible. Yeah. So here's the thing. There was uh, a guy contacted the Shores and was like, look, I, I want to go and check out this old theatre you used to own. It's the only building you still own in Canada. Maybe the only building they're still owned in, in, the, in Northern America. Hmm. And either Mona or one of Mona's assistants mailed him a key and was just like, you know what? Knock yourself out. And he went in, and it was like this really run-down area of Vancouver. It was super, like, like very, very dodgy area. He said, like, they'd go in. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. He said they'd go in, and then by the time they came out with a pallet worth of, like, 35 mil prints, they had to sweep needles off the street to get to the... Mm. Like to get to the truck in the time it had taken them to load a pallet. But the point is, he went in, there was nothing there. They ripped up the stage, and there was just, like, loads of film prints under the stage. Mm. And so, mo- like many of the of the thirty five prints of of Shaw films came from this last cinema, this end of run space that the Shaws had, where Mona hadn't burnt the prints. And I always wonder slightly if the if the dirty her print that exists that was found there she spared because it was one of hers. Yeah, maybe. I mean, she produced two hundred movies. Maybe they're yeah. not that, all that special. But when he was bringing them across to the states, they were like, "What have you got there?" And he's like, "It's film." And they're like, "All oh, right, what kind of films is it?" He's like, "It's kung fu films." They're like, "All right, cool. What's this one?" It says dirty ho that's clearly porn you're coming with us <laughs> and so yeah he got stopped by american customs because they thought dirty ho was a porn film that definitely ties in with, with what we were talking about earlier about you know how it, it does feel uh, potentially politically incorrect but um yeah i wonder if that's put some people off of watching it you never know apparently um, it's a it's a dirty harry reference the name exactly apparently. yeah i mean which yeah. is even more insane uh, absolutely crazy <laughs> But yeah, Mona Fong, let's reel off some of her productions. Like she did Buddha's Palm. She did Boxer's Omen. um, Portrait in Crystal, which I've recommended in the past. Holy Flame of Martial World. Like these are all movies that that you should definitely check out. Like Shaolin Intruder. You're focusing heavily on the what the fuckery there. (laughs) Oh yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like Like, like Mona Fong madness. (laughs) But spoiler alert, she also produced both of the movies I'm going to be recommending in recommendations. I'm a huge fan of Mona Fong and I'm glad that that you brought her up. Narrows it down to almost a third of the... A quarter, quarter of the films <laughs> yeah the Shaw brothers made. yeah we talked about this a little bit last time but we accidentally stumbled across a, a cool double bill here because dirty hurt contains a, a parody of crippled avengers including someone with the power of a hunchback maybe one of <laughs> maybe well there's so many 
sequences in this film that you could say oh that's definitely the best bit but yeah the stuff with like that little table stool thing in in this fight sequence is is just so magnificent you're referring sam of course to the handicapped four yes i am yes i am indeed oh oh my days (laughs) that is a difficult name yeah they're incredible and i think one of the things that's so delightful about that and i'm gonna lightly spoil that scene it's it's act one stuff it is yeah the 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 quality of it is not the reveal is that they're all putting on their disabilities yes and so as our titular character fights them they slowly reveal that oh he's not blind oh he's got both legs oh he's i guess wearing like a pillow down his back but his hubris with the like the reverse facing sword thrust into the pot of wine Mm. like it's so so well put together the 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 stool fight yeah which would later be borrowed by jackie chan i think yeah um i may be getting my dates wrong but i'm pretty certain that half a loaf of kung fu has a similar uh thing but maybe i'm maybe i'm getting the the order wrong but yeah no um, amazing stuff it's it's genuinely incredible i i don't think it is my favorite fight in the film no i think i i enjoyed it more this time because i was like oh yeah we've we've connected this really well but yeah like i say there are so many standouts in, in this film and and yeah just to to finish off the kind of crippled avengers comparison i'd say that crippled avengers is comic book but Dirty Hua has higher aspirations. Like there's some really great twists and it's very kind of novelistic and the fights are obviously very clever as well. Like there's a lot of thought that's gone into this film. Yeah, there's just so much energy and intelligence from start to finish, really. It's just a joy to watch it. Um, No spoilers, but the final fight is one of the best in the Shaw Library. Oh, Um, so good. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a long fight, that last fight yeah, as well. Yeah, like yeah. It, it takes up a good portion of the film, but it doesn't drag. No. Like It's fresh, it's exciting. There's a weird fucking axe head with a handle on the back of it. Mm. It's everything you want. It really um, is. It's it's interesting. Like it's, So this is 1979. Mm-hmm. It's the year after Crippled Avengers that we talked about. This is kind of a like a turning point for, for Shaw Brothers, the mm. end of the 70s. So Chang Che directed Crippled Avengers. This is uh, Liu Chi Liang did this one. And he was kind of the first person to have enough clout. Uh, he did 36th Chamber, didn't he? He did, yeah. Um, yeah, so he was the first person to have enough clout at Shaw to kind of throw his weight around a little bit. Um, and what's important is that he was bringing in cinematographers and, and, and actors from outside of the Shaw roster. So he was the first person to have enough weight to say you know what i'm doing it my way and and there's there's a sort of deliberateness and and also if you look at the rate at which he was putting out films there's he's slightly slower i think there was more consideration going into them and that's not meant to be like derogatory to the other short stuff because oh my god it's you know it's great across the board but i think that this is this is the closest they had to a and i i hate the term auteur but i think this is the mm. closest they had to an auteur yeah i mean yeah that and chang che obviously and we talked about that last time in, in terms of the auteurism I, i'd say that that's but that's chang right. I, I think chang che was still more more subject to the whims of the studio mm. like he did i don't think he was bucking against them as much like chang che is obviously an amazing director like you you know you only have to watch a couple of his films to go oh my god this guy knows what he's up to but like aside from the motifs and the things that he focuses on and the things that he's interested in he's i think he's still very much playing the shores game and i think that liu chi liang was was bringing more of himself to these things whether it was enforcing collaborators from outside of the studio system or or just pushing away from the types of stories that they were telling before like he was the first guy to do comedy 
martial arts with the Shaws mm. and I think that Dirty Ho is one of the funniest of all of the Shaw films mm-hmm. like I think he really kind of perfected it here he was yeah he was he was sort of blowing the doors out of what was possible and you've got to remember that by the time we get to the 80s all bets are off and people are la- like they're going just do fucking like whatever like mad the mad mm. stuff came through in the 80s but this is this is early doors this is like pushing back against quite a rigid system I think yeah I, I I definitely agree with that he was more kind of open and, and independent um, but the the only reason I kind of want to bring Chang Che into this conversation about kind of auteur theory which you I know you kind of hate anyway but I, I'd say that with Chang Che movies there is like it, within the system he was working within he did have that author's signature you can tell his movies apart I always find that almost more impressive when a director's voice and vision comes through a system like this um but which isn't to denigrate Lu Che Lang is another one of my favorite directors and in fact I'm recommending two of his movies in the recommendation section I just love him so much but yeah I and, and not that you're insulting Chang Che I know that you you love him as well but, no not at all I think he's incredible yeah. and but like but I think it's just eras you know like yeah. everyone anyone working within any artistic realm can only Mm. stand on foundations put in place by the the people that that came before them and i think that chang che also in his own right completely redeveloped the shaw brothers like you know you look at that look at their early doors stuff like drama like pre-celestial like drama romance like the stuff we're less interested in and then they get into the sort of like historical like but very like waxier stuff like lots of swords Mm, and all that mm. kind of stuff and and then the kung fu like revolution chang che is right there at the front of that and that was a huge and and the thing is that actually you and i love the the weapons stuff and i think that the when the shores came back mm. to the weapons stuff mm. that was kind of the next wave after the the purity of the kung fu that's right yeah and then and then you move into modern stuff like big brother chang and the tea shop and all that kind of stuff and then also mm. the madness that we were talking about like battle wizards and yeah. boxes omen like in seeding of a ghost when they got into horror mm. like there's so many facets to to the Shaw catalog mm-hmm. they did so many films and they covered so much stuff but yeah I think that these two guys are really like they're they're some of the most formative uh, artists working within the Shaw structure that's it and and when I decided to collect Shaw Brothers movies I really did focus on the kung fu and, and the weapons stuff yeah I'm not as au fait with like the horror I mean I like some like I love oily maniac and stuff but it's not really my my area of expertise um I really have focused on on, on this kind of thing there isn't a a straight up horror sure in this box set though there is a a creature feature there is a bonkers creature feature (laughs) but anyway let's talk about the extras on this disc this has a wonderful extra Tony Rain's talking about both oh, films the intro yeah they're they're absolutely great disc. but he goes into greater details about Doty her he talks about the historical context of the story as well as the film's cultural significance and it's yeah. one of those extras that really adds to your enjoyment of the film itself and so I'd, I'd actually say this extra is a, an essential watch it's as essential as the yeah. movie Dan how did you feel about the extras on here yeah it's a you know like the whole the whole box set's incredible yeah Reigns is all over it yeah he's uh, an absolute uh, an absolute expert yeah. and he's always fascinating to hear like his like you know let's not pretend he doesn't pr- plan for these things like I don't expect him to be able to pull everything that he's saying out of his head but it does feel slightly effortless like there's yeah. enough like 
he searches for thirty, like for half a second for the name, and then he can just pull it out of the air. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that he d- he can't pull every name out of the air makes all the others feel more impressive because it feels more legitimate. Like this guy knows his stuff. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that he's talking about watching Dirty Herd opening weekend, and I feel I don't know anything about the man. I feel like he's probably expat family grew up in hong kong that's just a total guess on mm-hmm, my part mm-hmm. but he feels like seeped in this stuff and hey maybe that's uh, a reason that i'm drawn to this stuff because my mum my mum grew up in hong kong as well yeah she uh, would go to the cinema literally every day because it was super cheap at that time so super um, cheap no tv yeah, yeah exactly so yeah all right well that, i think that's the, uh, all, all i've sh- got to say on the main movie unless you've got anything else dan no this is just an aside the shaw brothers tv studio uh they're they're like tagline was and i'm heavily paraphrasing because i don't remember and also it wasn't in english is something along the lines of it's wireless <laughs> because they they were one of the first channels if not the first to uh, to just be available through an aerial which mm-hmm. which made it like publicly accessible mm-hmm. but until then like you said that the cinema was where people went it was super super cheap they played stuff all day and mm-hmm. you just go along and watch whatever exactly like film after film after film after film yeah um, yeah really really cool and that's you know why they churn them out as well and potentially also why they all end so quickly because they're like right end this one we've got to start the next one <laughs> um, next one straight in people yeah here we go exactly yeah. exactly i'm gonna start recommendations this time because i know there's going to be no cool. conflict because uh you said last time that you haven't done any sure recommendations so i am going to start with eight diagram pole fighter which competes with the one-armed swordsman as my favourite Shaw. It's also directed by Lu Chia Lang and produced by Mona Fong, and it also stars Gordon Lur, who we didn't really talk about um, in in this uh, in the main episode. He's amazing, but, yeah. Um, what an actor! Now, uh, Eight Diagram Pole Fighter is more of a straight epic than a slapstick comedy. Uh, this thing is a masterpiece with a jaw-dropping third act. I am blown away every single time I watch it. It's in my top five of all time, just of overall movies. I'll talk a little bit about the plot in my next recommendation because they are connected. I'm doing a bit of a double bill here. But you really don't need to know anything about the story to watch this film. All you need to understand is that it's sincerely one of the greatest movies ever made. That should be enough. Eight Diagram Pole Fighter. <laughs> <laughs> Another one I would very much love to see pop up in a, in a future Arrow release um, because, yeah, what they've done with this box set is just... Oh, it's mind-blowing. Like, the the quality of the restorations here and, and the extras and, and the book you get and the, the CD. Like, if Volume is as good oh. as Volume 1, then just we're going to be in heaven and we'll definitely cover it. But yeah, 8 Diagram Pole Fighter. Check it out. It's fucking magnificent. Dan, what is your how many, first recommendation? How, how, how many films are in this set, Sam, off the top of, my, off the top of your head? Or is it like eight? I think it's eight. Let's say eight films. Uh, yeah. Let, fuck it. Let's say ten. Let's roll round for the benefit of what I'm doing. Let's say ten. <laughs> let's say ten. Okay. If they were to release the entire Celestial catalogue, and that's not everything Shaw made, that's just all the films that are still owned by Celestial, so that doesn't include the co-pros, it doesn't include a lot of the pre-stuff, it does have some of the weird porn that Run Run did, Yeah, uh, and it's got the horror stuff in it, so let's talk about, although it doesn't have Boxer's Omen in it, I don't think Celestial have that, but anyway, so let's say, just the Celestial pictures, if sh- if uh, if sh- uh, Arrow do all of them in box sets like this, 
then we've only got 66 more but well 67 more box sets to go well there you 60, go 66 more box sets to go. I, I think arrow should just rename themselves sure and just only put out these box sets that would keep me very happy oh, um and imagine it- i'm I fly to tomorrow. I fly to Toronto tomorrow. I fly to tomorrow, Toronto, and uh, I'm staying on a street called Shaw. And when I got that through, my brain is so addled at the moment. I was like, "Oh yeah." <laughs> uh, I would. Uh, I I don't have an adult brain, but I. Uh, oh, that sounded like I said I don't have an adult brain, which is also true. But um, I don't have an adult brain, but I would also celebrate. Um, staying on 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 shore street so uh excellent and it's actually 12 films in this box set including seven new 2k restorations by uh arrow films and there's a 60 page collector's book and new artwork hours have never seen before bonus features two cds of music yeah it's it's an incredible set that means there's only 55 more box sets to there you go dan what are you recommending based on dirty Hua? i'm i was tempted to reverse the order of the recommendations because i feel like it's a light spoiler for my second recommendation what i'm about to say but i hadn't realized until i checked that they're both directed by the same person <laughs> they are however very very different films the first film i'm recommending is from 1978 and it's yen wuping's drunken master i saw it probably around about the same time that i saw drunken her for the first time it's uh an early jackie chan film it's i mean it's only overlooked insofar as if you've only watched <laughs> oh my goodness what's the really famous american jackie chan film rush hour rush hour Russia. If you've only seen if you've only seen Rush Hour, then it's obscure. Even man, if you if you haven't watched anything pre Rumble in the Bronx, it's obscure. But if you like your early Jackie Chan, then you definitely know it. Or if you're a uh, teenager in the nineties in the UK, and you went to your video shop and you saw a film that just said Drunken Master, and you read the back and saw that it was a a, a film about fighting involving booze, um, then you probably did rent it as I did. Um, yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I like, I'd say so. While Liu Qiliang had had sort of introduced the idea of comedy kung fu, this does predate Dirty Ho by a year, mm-hmm. and I I feel that they share an that like they share a sensibility. For sure, there's a lot of the same kind of like humor feeling in Drunken Master. It's an absolutely fantastic like classic martial arts film. I'd say it's probably better known in this country than Dirty Ho is. Yeah, definitely. But if you haven't seen it and you enjoyed dirty her then go and watch it because it's amazing yeah um it's probably it's probably on eureka because they seem to have the jackie chan stuff i think it is yeah yeah that seems right um it's an absolute beaut and i i have decided that i will go and buy the blu-ray like i haven't seen it for a while so nice. I'll, I'll be picking it up it's a, watching it. it's a yeah it's a great film it's a lot less lush like the cinematography isn't as is impressive but, yeah it's um, more rural yeah exactly yeah yeah but um still very very cool yeah great recommendation perfect recommendation but that's i mean but that i think that that speaks more to the fact that it was made outside of Shaw. like it yeah. was made a year before this but it was it's i mean if it's not golden harvest i don't remember mm. but it, it's you know it, it's one of the the smaller players at this point yeah. in the in the in the 70s and so they don't have like the outdoors i mean like oh my goodness the outdoors is actually just a field yeah exactly yeah yeah rather than this like epic village they haven't built a a temple Mm. they haven't built a village it's just a field and jackie chan's got a bit of wood (laughs) but it's a delight and then there's a man with white hair and he's got a pot so you know get with it this is what we're doing now (laughs) 
fantastic uh, i love that excellent all right well uh, my next recommendation is one that we've mentioned a couple of times on both uh, of our shore episodes here but the 36th chamber of shaolin from 1978 it's another collaboration between lu chia lang and gordon Lu, and also mona fong producing it as well and it's one of those films that you really have to watch if you're seriously getting into short cinema it's a definitive classic it's a turning point film and the reason it's a turning point film is uh it's super entertaining that's why it kind of crossed over though again it's more straight faced than dirty hua but yeah both eight diagram pole fighter and 36 chambers feature gordon Lu as someone who loses everything before going to temples to train but they are different enough to make an excellent double bill incredible training sequences in 36 chamber just uh, so good and superb fights with very high stakes it's a masterpiece for a reason it's just a, a, a joy an absolute giddy joy yeah maybe the two best films i've ever recommended uh, linked to a film on this podcast, Eight Diagram Pole Fighter and 36 Chamber of Shaolin. Solid gold masterpieces. You cannot yeah, go wrong. Absolutely fantastic yeah, films. Yeah. I've always felt that 36th Chamber has, and I know I, I might be slightly retreading ground here, has a slightly more Japanese uh, mm, structure to it. Definitely. Like it's quite light on combat for the first two acts. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot more training and a lot more like, why the fuck am I doing this? Yeah. And then like it all comes together so beautifully in that third act. Mm. And it's like, <laughs> it's like the usual suspects of, oh, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> but for but for punching. Yeah, exactly. And kind of like, yeah, an, an influence on, you know, mainstream American oh stuff. Like, well, um, it, like, you can't deny its influence on Karate Kid. I was literally about to say Karate Kid. Like, yeah. it's just 100%. Um, there's a direct line between those two films and actually side note recommendation i've been watching cobra kai for the first time over the past couple of weeks because the kids are really into it and the new series has just landed so i've been catching up and if you like karate kid and haven't watched cobra kai it's fucking amazing like it, it captures the kind of the very unique and special spirit of um of of karate kid like it's it's got real heart which is something that movie had in spades and yeah i think it's got a really cool philosophy at the heart of it the 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 kind of message that few people are truly good or truly evil everyone's kind of got a balance i think that's weirdly one of the most important messages in a streaming series i think i've I've ever seen like certainly for the cultural moment (laughs) we're living in where it's easier to kind of demonize and have empathy yeah uh, you had me you had me until you related to current circumstances sam i'm i'm still super happy to just hate people it's fine (laughs) fair enough dad (laughs) and i love you for it (laughs) Um, yeah Uh, that was really an aside um please focus on eight diagram pole fighter and 36 chamber of shaolin as opposed to cobra kai though cobra kai is really fun i've 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 not seen cobra kai i am increasingly hearing people talk positively about it especially this most recent series which apparently is like way better i actually had a long long long-standing uh and i don't think has ever listened to a single episode friend of the podcast tony clark round to watch dirty ho with me the other day and that was an absolute delight like he he's was certainly very important in my discovery of them yeah i mean Um, i'm I'm really glad you brought tony up because tony is basically the source of when i say that i focused on collecting the kung fu and and the weapons based sure stuff tony was my resource for that he's a a film when he had the shop in camden yeah he's a film archivist and yeah his his kind of life's mission is to make sure that movies like this don't 
don't kind of vanish. And this was long before boutique labels like Arrow started rescuing films like this. Tony was flying the flag. So yes, a thank you to Tony. I saw Crippled Avengers and Dirty Her because of Tony. So um, yeah. Yeah. I remember, like, I used to pick up my Chinese cinema stuff in Chinatown. Like, mm-hmm. I'd, you know, I'd go to the back rooms of the shops in Chinatown. But the Celestial release DVDs of the Shaw Brothers films were too expensive. They wouldn't carry them. But Tony had them. Like, you'd go up to Psychotronic yeah. and you could pick them up. That was amazing stuff. So, yeah, I can't remember why I mentioned him. It was something Cobra separate. Kai? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he said to me, oh, you know, I've, over Christmas I've been watching uh, Cobra Kai. I really didn't like the first two series. But, like, the third series is really good. And I'm like, Tony, your ability to stick with stuff you're not enjoying is humbling. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I actually, I really love the first two series and I'm I'm not as into the third series. But yeah, I can see why Tony would prefer the third series to the first two because it's a lot darker and um, more adult. And I think the first two were um, YouTube produced. They were made for the YouTube subscription channel. Oh, wow. And then it got picked up by Netflix. So, but yeah, honestly, yeah, really, really great series. But Dan, do you have another recommendation based on Dirty Hur? I do, yeah. It's from 1982, Sam. Oh, so it's like a whole different decade mm-hmm. to all the other films we're talking about but it's still directed by yen Wu ping hey. and it's miracle fighters excellent oh miracle fighters sam do you remember the first time you saw miracle fighters i think it might be the first like fantasy martial arts film i saw and mm. i'm not talking like fantasy like uh storm riders may have seen before i saw uh, before i saw miracle fighters mm-hmm. i i don't know but miracle fighters is just such a delight like it's got all this like sort of like peaking opera like sort of mugging expressions like theatrical makeup it's got an old man character who's very obviously not that old which <laughs> is a lovely mainstay of chinese action cinema mm-hmm. it's got amazing choreography it's really beautifully photographed really rich colors um, i mean when i first saw it i saw it on vhs but in my memory i saw like a you know a 4k like it's it's always been a beautiful film. It's a it's a martial arts film, but it's full of like little touches of magic. You've got like the weird pot people in it, pot like you know huge ceramic pots turning anthropomorphic. Um, it's an absolute delight. I don't know if there's a good Blu-ray of it around. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just recommending it because I remember it, but I'm definitely going to be looking that up now, and and I'll tweet if I find a, a, a Blu-ray of it in any country. I think y- Yen Wu Ping is probably my favorite post. Uh, Shaw Brothers, like martial arts director, mm-hmm. rather than action director. Mm-hmm. Like I consider them separate. Yeah, yeah. Separate genres. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Awesome. Excellent recommendation. And we are now going to move on to stuff we've been watching for the past couple of weeks. I will begin with Night Feeder from 1988. This is another movie I'd like Arrow to pick up, but I hope it has a different cover to the insanely spoilerific VHS that Bleeding Skull put out, which ruins one of the most insane twists in horror history. Do not Google that cover. (laughs) Just watch the film if you can. It's set in the kind of 80s punk scene, which looks like a mixture of 70s punk, post-punk and new wave. The style in this film is just really great. And for most of the movie, it's basically a soap opera romance between a musician and a journalist who's investigating a series of strange murders. Then it goes completely batshit in the last 10 minutes. It's kind of slow for most of the film 
super weird, shot like television. Like I say, it really does feel like a soap opera and I absolutely adored it. Night Feeder from 1988. I recommend it if you can find it. YouTube? I don't think it's on YouTube, but I haven't actually checked, so maybe do check. But it feels like one. I feel like isn't... if it's not available anywhere, then it's going to be available on YouTube. Well, there was a, a relatively recent Bleeding Skull VHS release, which makes me think it might not be. But you know what? Let's do this live. Uh, the trailer's there. Yeah, no, it's it's not on there, unfortunately. Shocking. But yeah, do I... not do not look at the cover. Do not look at the cover. Just watch the film. Night Feeder. There we go. Dan, what is next from you or first from you from the past couple of weeks? I saw a film that's been on my list for, I would say, 15 years. Oh, wow. I've always heard great things. I don't know why I hadn't watched it before. I I have a WhatsApp group that is a sort of a vestigial remnant of a quiz group that was started during the first lockdown of some lovely, lovely people. And mostly it's just us bitching about films. Uh, these days but Mark Blackman who I feel I've oh yeah no we've definitely talked about Mark because Mark has been on the podcast he was on our Miracle Mile episode there you go yeah Mark I think recently rewatched Seconds by John Frankenheimer great movie and it well it turns out Sam it is a great movie <laughs> Like I said, it had been on my list for ages. It's got some lovely surrealism. It's got some lovely high-concept sci-fi. It's all done in lovely grainy black and white. It's an absolute delight. And it's only, like, the cherry on the top is that when I was writing my notes for this episode, uh, my phone refused to uh, not correct Frankenheimer to Frankenhooker. So, (laughs) I recommend John Frankenhooker's 1966 (laughs) sci-fi classic, seconds yep and obviously rock hudson is the lead there and he is magnificent oh, and layers upon layers, upon layers. Yeah, yeah and yeah very very good it's uh, like i don't want to basically i'm going to be super super oblique because i don't want to spoil anything about it i knew nothing going in and it's it's great but a uh, a man who is a, a successful man who is dissatisfied with how his life has turned out is given an opportunity as a second chance and it is a grueling road that is all I'm saying. Yeah, excellent. Very good. All right, well, my next recommendation is another movie from 1988. Past the Ammo is a satire of evangelical TV channels starring Tim Curry as a corrupt preacher. I could probably leave it there and that would still be an amazing recommendation. But what if I told you that it also stars Bill Paxton as a criminal taking the channel hostage live alongside performances from Linda Kozlowski and Annie Potts as the wives of these two crooks. Yeah, it's another Shay Tate. Both of my recommendations this week are from her collection. Yeah, it, it just really needs a Blu-ray release as soon as possible because there's some stuff in here that's still scarily relevant. Some of the stuff between the the people watching this live broadcast and what they go on to do is very much connected to stuff that's been going on in America recently. Yeah, fantastic film. Pass the ammo. I recommend it. Dan, what's next from you? What's up? You remember last time around, I resurrected uh, Championeth for a recommendation based upon the film. Mm -hmm. Well... I'm recommending another Javier Fessa movie because what happens is I think, oh, that was a good film. I'll recommend that. And then I think, oh, I haven't seen anything they've directed for a while. I'll look them up. And then I go, oh, they've done a couple of films since uh, then. 
I'll uh, I'll check them out. And it turns out Javier Fessa is still fucking incredible. Also, it's the third film of his I've recommended on the f- on the podcast, and one of them I've recommended twice. So I think he's doing very fucking well. <laughs> he also did that absolutely charming documentary I recommended a while back called uh, Bienvenidos mm-hmm. about the internet coming to like a small rural mountain village, which is an absolute delight. Mm-hmm. But this this film going against my usual standard of suggesting you import films from another country maybe even continent because for some goddamned reason people aren't releasing them everywhere this film at least in the uk is available for free on prime hey. uh, and it's a delight it's called historias lamentable that for some reason i put a french pronunciation on that that is absolutely incorrect it's a spanish film sad stories historias lamentables it's ostensibly a portmanteau picture uh, although the narratives all cross over like people from one story appear in another story and it's ostensibly a film about the lives of very sad people mm-hmm. it feels imagine like a, a technicolor and very very broad jacques tati film oh yes please yeah Oh my goodness, particularly the first story has a very, very strong Tati vibe. The first story, and I won't go into too much of the rest of it, but the first story covers a a man who is obsessed with the rules, you cannot deviate from the rules, who is trying, has taken a photograph of the same sunrise on the same beach every day for a year or whatever like that, and he's, you know, he's he has to has to do another one because otherwise the, the pattern is broken, and he's trying to cross the road, and is almost run down by someone he gets in a fight with because they don't respect zebra crossings. <laughs> uh, and it turns out that they were his school bully. Oh. And he ends up being pulled away from his life in an a, in a series of events that would all be fine if he just stood up for himself. <laughs> and oh my goodness. It's like, imagine the, the bittersweet comedy of Monsieur Hulot's holiday married with the discomfort of mother. <laughs> wow. Holy shit. Yeah, that sounds like a classic. And then, yeah, and then it goes it goes on from there. Mm. It's probably not quite as good as Campeones, which is you know just so good. But it's but it is available. It, you can watch it on on uh, Amazon Prime. It's an absolutely fantastic film. It's cool. a nine out of ten. It's great. Love it. I'll check it out. And just to follow up, it's on... got some it's it's got some moments in it where you're going to be offended, Sam. I'm not going to lie to you. Ooh. The Spanish uh... are difficult at times. But one thing I will say is that it. With Fesser, at least, it always comes out in the wash and he's always on the right side of opinion. I, I have very few triggers, so um, I think I know exactly what you're talking about. So yeah, yeah, the Spanish are not particularly racially soft. There you go. Yeah, but all right. Well, I will brace myself for that because I, I do want to check it out. And yeah, just to follow up on my past ammo recommendation, I just double checked and it is on YouTube. So um, I watched it on tape. Uh, like I say, from Shay's collection, but uh, you can watch it on YouTube. And uh, I will recommend her podcast, Movie Melt, uh, all day long. It, it's fantastic. Okay, that's it. Extra features, extra features, extra features. Extra features. Extra features. I have no extra features. That's it. No, me neither. All right. Well, Dan, how can people follow you on the internet? I'm at 13fingerfx on Twitter and on Instagram. I'm... I've been a bit absent from both recently, <laughs> but, but I, I, you know, I do, I do post stuff uh, often behind the scenes stuff, and then sometimes just a joke that I've come up with, just, just like a little thing. 
Hey, excellent. That's it. All right. Well, uh, I will say that I am at Instagram right now uh, more than I am Twitter. So please follow me on there. I'm at SamAshes23, the number two, the number three. And uh, I'm mostly posting like screenshots from the weird films that I watch. So if you want extra recommendations, uh, I'm planning on watching a lot more uh, tapes this year because uh, Shay has just such an incredible collection. So I'll be posting pictures of, of VHS covers as well, I'm sure. So uh, Sam Ashurst 23, the number two, the number three at Instagram. And that is all for this fortnight. Next time, I believe we're doing Brotherhood of Satan. We are indeed. So uh, we'll look forward to a that. first watch for me. Yeah, no, it's a first watch for me as well. Yeah, I think I just loved it because of the cover. <laughs> That's why I wanted oh, to do it. it's got it. a good cover. Yeah, exactly. So uh, let's see how the movie is. But um, that'll be next time. But until then, thank you so much for listening. And we promise... Oh, I've, I'm cutting across you, Sam. That's fine. I want to. I want to do a little like Arrow uh, video, mm-hmm. like the, the the streaming, the Arrow channel. Yes, they've they've started pulling in stuff from like Severin and uh, Vinegar Syndrome, mm-hmm. uh, and like loads of other labels have started turning up. And I noticed today that Day of the Beast by Alex de la Glethia has turned up, as has Perdita Durango on the Arrow channel, mm-hmm. both of which are fucking incredible and you should check out. But then, like, Dubro Party Massacre 3, which I recommended ages ago, is now on there as well. Like, the the Arrow, the streaming channel, has loads of stuff. And and Hotel Poseidon, that we, we both recommended uh, on the Best Of episode, doesn't have a physical release in the UK. I hope Arrow rectify that, but is on the streaming channel. They're really making a good argument for the for the subscription to that particularly if you if you're spending you know if you want to see what's coming out in the states you a lot of that stuff is available on the on the streaming channel you can sort of do a a taste test there as it were so i know that that feels just like an ad but it's entirely off my own back <laughs> and it no it's just, actually, there's just a lot of fucking good stuff it's important because i think this year we're probably going to be doing more movies that may just be on arrow on the streaming channel because I think it'd be nice to kind of branch out into some of the extra stuff that's being piped in there. So a subscription is is definitely worth it if you want to kind of keep up with the films we're doing on this podcast. Though we also recommend you still buy the Blu-rays because that's our main passion. I didn't get into this to to recommend streaming services, but you can't deny the thing is can't deny it. It's the, it's a, in, yeah a, no you're completely collection. right. But the thing I'd say is the streaming service is like a a buffet. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, and before it was just a buffet of the Arrow stuff, but now it's a buffet of like Agfa and yeah Vinegar Syndrome and and Severin. Like I own discs that I pre-ordered from those companies mm. that are now on Arrow streaming yeah. that I have. I obviously don't regret that, but. Like, if I was unsure as to whether or not I wanted to watch a a satanic retelling of the Nativity from, like, probably the best Catalan horror comedy director of all time, then I might want to, you know, test the waters with Day of the Beast on Arrow streaming. Mm -hmm. And then I'd watch it and I'd immediately know that it's a fucking masterpiece that I would say rivals American Wealth in London for comedy horror. And then I'd run out and I'd buy the, you know, the Severin 4K, which I already have because I bought it before Arrow put it on the the streaming platform. But what I'm saying is (laughs) you can test the waters with this stuff. 
beautifully put. And uh, as Dan said, we weren't actually told to say this, but yeah, uh, I'm really excited about Arrow streaming at the moment. I really am. So awesome. Yeah, All right. Stuff. Well, on that advertorial. Also, note, I listen to their audio commentaries while I'm driving. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. And we promise to be more professional next time. More professional next time. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.